are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. In April of this year, actually the second or third week of April, Emma and I were in St. Louis, Missouri, for a Missouri Youth Convention. And after the morning service and after we ate lunch that day, we went back to the hotel room to get ready for the evening service. We hadn't been in the hotel very long when what happens often at youth events happens. The fire alarm starts going off. So not only did the fire alarm start going off, but all of a sudden, a voice begins to speak into our room, saying, can I have your attention? Can I have your attention, please? Can I have your attention, please? It would then communicate the command that this was indeed an alarm, somebody had Not supposedly from the youth event, but somebody was, (laughs) not funny, but smoking weed in a bathroom somewhere, we would find out later. So, praise God. After a few minutes, and I've been to a few youth events um, and have been through my share of fire alarms at youth events. And so I, I was alarmed, but I can't say I was on red alert. Um, and after a few minutes, it communicated again. Can I have your attention, please? Can I have your attention, please? Can I have your attention, please? Please disregard. And uh, in these kind of situations, obviously, in that kind of situation, It is important to get everyone's attention. And this morning, I would like to ask this question to you as my thought today. Can I have your attention? I'd like to make that my title every Sunday. (laughs) But then I don't think I would have your attention. But I want to speak, can I have your attention? I think this day and age we live is not like in any other day and age in that we feel pressure, we feel tension in our day-to-day lives. Anybody have any tension in your life? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to because they're sitting next to you, but <laughs> anybody have any tension? You feel tension in your life. The word tension has its root as a medical word, and it means to be stretched between two forces. The actual word ten means to stretch. We live in a tense time, a difficult time. We live in a tense world where it seems every day, doesn't matter what it is, two forces are in opposition to each other. I'm often amazed over the things that our world gets worked up about. 
Seems everyone is offended about something. Everybody's intention. There's always two worlds opposing, two forces. And everyone has an edge to them. And I want to say here, I'm not going to articulate tensions in our world at this time, but I think we as the church have to be careful that we don't allow this spirit of our age to become our mindset, that everything offends us. It's hard to read the words of Jesus and feel justified in being offended. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. He said another time, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I think when you are constantly offended by people, whether in the church or out of the church, you are missing a great opportunity for God to work in your life and for you to do the work of God in your life. And so offense comes, tension comes. In April of this year, April 27th, in fact, of 2019, my dad, who was in the Ukraine at the time, texted our family about a young man who had arrived in the Ukraine seeking asylum for religious persecution from the country of Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan is a Muslim country in that region. Months before he arrived in the Ukraine, there was four or five men, Muslim men, who broke into his apartment, drug him out of bed, and asked him if he was a Christian. When he said yes, that he was a Christian, they began to beat him and kick him until he was barely alive. They knocked out 20 of his teeth and broke his jaw. In this photo my dad took of him when he was with him in the Ukraine, his face is disfigured and his jaw is still broken some months later because he didn't have the money to fix it. We live in an angry world. We live in a tense world. And as Christians, this should not come as a surprise to us. Jesus would say in Mark 13, but when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be what? Trouble. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrow. And here is what we realize in tense times. In tense times, something will get our attention. In tense times, something will get our attention. The word attention means to give heed or direction or of the mind upon a object or a topic. It is to notice or have awareness. And at its root, it comes from the same root as tension in that it is to stretch, but to stretch 
towards something. Tension is the stretching between two forces. Attention is the stretching towards something. So what has your attention in these tense times? What is your mind stretching towards? It would seem that everything has our attention these days, which means that really nothing has our full attention. We live in an age when we can know something about almost everything around us. So what has our attention? If you read or listen or watch any media news on a given day, you are inundated with messages and things that are grabbing your attention. You're being inundated with tense messages. In Cincinnati, you can drive the highways and billboards all over the city are seeking to to grab your attention. You can listen to the radio or podcast and messages are constantly seeking your attention. If you watch media and TV, you see advertising everywhere. Everybody's wanting a piece of your attention. If you troll and scroll through social media, internet sites, you are saturated with messages and promotions. Some say that in the age that we're living in today, that you and I will see up to 5,000 or experience up to 5,000 or 7,000 ads or promotions per day seeking your attention. Not only do we live in a distracted world, We live in a world and in a body and mind that left unchecked will take the path of least resistance. And what typically gets most of our attention is what? Us. And it's so easy to live for ourselves. In Noah's day, the scripture said that every intent of the thought of his heart was evil continually. In Joshua's day, just after he died, it said in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The great wise Solomon said, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. And it would be Paul who would tell this young man, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3, but know this, that in the last days, Perilous times will come, troublesome times. In the last days, tense times, stressful times will come. But why will these tensions come? He says, for men will be what? Lovers of themselves. Attention on themselves. Can I tell you today, attention on ourselves is a recipe for disaster. If you are what is on your mind the most, you are setting yourselves up for tension. James tells us this, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? If you are what is on your mind the most, you're setting yourself up for tension. And Paul told Timothy, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, 
boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. What has your attention? What has your attention? Can I tell you something you probably already know? But God wants your attention. Just like the world wants your attention, just like your flesh wants your attention, God wants your attention. You see, attention is a word that has to do with your presence. To attend an event is to be present in the event. I attend a wedding. I'm there. I attend a funeral. I'm there. I attend a church service on a Sunday morning. I am there. So where are you? What has your gaze? What has your awareness? And I believe God is asking this morning, can I have your attention? Everybody else wants your attention. Everybody else is getting your attention. Can God get your attention? Can God have your presence? See, our attention on God during these perilous days is vital. However, I would like to propose this morning that while attention is vital, there is one step further. We are to live with our attention on God. But let me say this morning, we are to live with our intention on God. Intention, intention means to turn one's attention, to focus one's attention to have purpose for your attention. Intention is not just being aware, but intention is being determined. Hear me now. It is the difference between being at the game, attention, and being in the game, intention. You can't be in the game. Unless you're at the game. But just because you're at the game doesn't mean you're in the game. God doesn't need us just to be at the game. God doesn't just need us to be present. He needs us to be in the game. It's the difference between awareness and action. That I'm aware of something can be one thing, but when I'm aware of something and I take action on it, then I have intention about it. God doesn't just want our attention, but God wants our intention. And while attention is taking the tension and putting awareness on a thing, in Tension is taking the tension and putting action on the thing. So what has your intention? Because there is a difference. 
Because what has your intention has your direction. A lawyer came to Jesus to test him and ask, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what's the law say? What are you reading? He said, well, it says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But the lawyer wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who then is my neighbor? So Jesus tells this story about a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan who walk into a bar. I'm kidding. He doesn't tell that story. Close. But he tells about three people. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, and they stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. There's your tension. He faced some difficult times. That's the tension in the story. But the Bible says in 10, Luke 10, 31, now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. There's your tension, and there's your attention. Both of them came upon a scene that was tense. Both of them looked at the scene that was tense. They had given them him their attention. But Luke chapter 10, 32 tells us, but a Samaritan... Not by chance, not by accident, as the other guys had walked. Remember verse number, let me point that out for you so you get what I'm going to say. Go back to 10 verse 31. It's not a small detail in this story. 10 verse 31. Now by chance, by chance, the priest went. By chance, the Levite went. Now verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, this then we realize was not by chance, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had his attention. But he didn't just have his attention, he got his what? Intention. He had compassion on him. So he went to him. His intention caused him to move after him. And so he went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured oil and wine, set him on his animal, brought him to an end, and took care of him. And when he departed, he said, take care of him, and I'll, I'll help repay whatever needs to be done. So which one of these three, Jesus says, do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. See, the difference between attention and intention is compassion. That's the real difference between giving attention or giving intention. It's compassion. Attention looks at the matter. Intention lives for the matter. Attention observes, but intention follows. 
I believe Jesus is asking you and I today, do I have your attention? Because you can't live with intention without giving your attention to God. But he's not just asking you, can I have your attention today? He's asking, can I have your intention today? You know, I'm, I'm really glad that you're at church today. I, I have to confess, I wasn't sure if anybody was coming on Labor Day, but I'm glad you're here at church. But let me ask you a tougher question. I know you're at church, but are you in church? I know you're here, but I want to ask the tough question because it's the question that makes a difference. Uh, the question that makes a difference uh, is not just am I at church? Did I go to church today? Am I in the church? Uh, am I a part uh, of what God's doing in this world? Because what this world needs uh, is not just uh, my awareness that something's wrong. What this world needs uh, is my intention to do something about uh, what's wrong in this world. God needs our intention today. Hallelujah. God never asked of us what he would not ask of himself or he himself be willing to do. And what I realize today is that God's intention, what he wants to see accomplished through us is only possible because of what Christ did on the cross the, the word compassion means to suffer with, to suffer along. That, that Samaritan suffered with. He let that circumstance uh, kind of uh, uh, derail his plans for the day. It kind of disheveled his day, didn't it? Compassion does that. When you show people compassion, it, it actually messes with what you were planning to do that day. But can I tell you, that's what this world needs. Uh, this world needs compassion. And I'll say it here. The whole point of Friends Day is because we want to be a compassionate church. We want to be engaged in what's going on around this city in helping people. And I hope today, I hope this coming weekend that you'll not just come to church to be at church, but you'll come to church to be in the church, to be a part of what's going on in the church. Romans twelve fifteen says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Not only did Jesus suffer with us and feel the tension of humanity, Jesus gave his attention to the hurting and he gave then his intention to the hurting. It's in Matthew chapter 14, verse number 14. It says, Jesus, when he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them, he healed the sick. In Luke chapter 7, verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and he touched her. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude. He had attention and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. And he taught them. Jesus showed us how to live in tension, to show our attention and live within tension. Jesus Christ suffered with us 
In that road to the cross, Jesus experienced the tension of humanity. He was tempted. In Hebrews chapter 4, 15 says he was tempted at all points like we yet without sin. Isaiah 53 tells us he was rejected, despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And he was forsaken, the scripture says in Psalms 22, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? He cried this on the cross. He was betrayed for the son of man. It says in Luke 9, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. He experienced the tension, the two opposing forces. But he surrendered his tension to God while hanging on the cross. He said, Father, into your hands. Into your hands. I commit my spirit. We see this intention most measured, measured when Jesus walked this road to Calvary. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what he saw, what he saw was you and I in relationship to him. And so, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And in this passage, and before the writer mentions looking unto Jesus, he said, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us lay aside the things that pull us towards selfishness, that pull us towards our own desires. Let's lay aside those things. So that I can put my attention on Jesus Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. So that I can live with compassion. I can live with intention in this world. Compassion is born out of attention and intention. It is born out of awareness, the life that is lived with direction. I find it interesting that you can't even spell compassion in the English language without the word compass. Because what is getting your attention, and more importantly, what is getting your intention, is setting your direction. And this world needs us to be a compassionate church. This world needs us to be a compassionate church. John Darley and Daniel Batson decided to replicate the story of the Good Samaritan with seminary students. So these were students that were studying to be preachers, pastors in ministry. A few variables were introduced to them as they were studying. And so they were going to act out this Good Samaritan concept. And so the first seminarians were interviewed and asked why they wanted to go into ministry. There were a variety of responses, but the vast majority said they were in 
going into ministry to help people? It's a pretty good answer. It's the right answer. Then they were asked to prepare a short sermon, half of them on the story of the Good Samaritan and half on the other topics they wanted to choose. Finally, they were told to go over to a building on campus to present their sermons. And what the researchers did, they had strategically positioned an actor in an alley to play the part of a man who was mugged in Jesus' story. He was slumped over and groaning loud enough for the passerby to hear. And so the, the researchers hypothesized that those who said they were going into ministry to help people and those who had just prepared the sermon on the Good Samaritan would be most likely to stop and help the person laying there. And so there they were. They, they had prepared their sermon. They were now told to go to the building across the street. And on their way, there was going to be somebody laying there who needed their help. And so the researchers surmised that those who had studied the story of the Good Samaritan would most likely stop and help. But that wasn't the case. It wasn't the case because there was a final variable introduced by the researchers. Just before the seminarians left to give their sermon, the researcher looked at his watch and said one of two things. To some seminarians, the researcher said, you're early, go ahead. They aren't expecting you for a few minutes, but why don't you start and head over there? To other seminarians, the researcher said, you're late. They were expecting you a few minutes ago. You better hurry. So what were the results? Only 10% of the seminary students who were in a hurry stopped to help. While 63% of those who weren't in a hurry stopped to help. In several cases, a seminary student going to give his talk on the parable of the Good Samaritan literally stepped over the victim as he hurried on his way to tell them the story about the Good Samaritan. Darley and Batson concluded that it didn't matter whether someone wanted to help people or whether someone had just read and was preparing to preach on the parable of the Good Samaritan. The only thing that mattered was whether or not they were in a hurry. They concluded the words, you're late, had the effect of making someone who was ordinarily compassionate into someone who was indifferent to suffering. I conclude today that what has your time has your intention. What has your time has your intention. What has your intention affects your capacity for compassion. So what has your time? 
What has your intention? What has your attention? What is grabbing your gaze? What is manipulating your motivations? That's why Jesus would state so clearly for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. I think we all want to do good in the world. I think we all want to help people. But I want to challenge you in a deep way today. As we prepare for Friends Day, we can come to church and acknowledge things that are happening, good things that are happening. And that would be of value. I hope that next week it really inspires you to see the things that are happening in our community, the people that are doing good things in our community. But I feel that it's important for all of us to evaluate our time. Evaluate how you're spending your time. What gets the bulk of your time? Because what gets the bulk of your time gets the bulk of your intention. I'll say again, in a culture, I'm, I'm guilty as anybody. Watching other people on social media do good things is not making a difference here. I'm glad you can get inspired by what other churches are doing, by what other people are doing, what other celebrities are doing. But if the bulk of your time is spent watching other people do things and you never do them, I think it's wasted intention. I, I, I as, as bad as I want to, to harp on the priest and the Levite, I, I think I get the priest and the Levite more and more. They were in a hurry. They had things to do. They wanted to, to, to do good things and worship and do those things. But they left no margin for compassion. No margin to be kind of pushed out of their comfort zone a little bit. To, to kind of be uh, uh, put out a little bit where you, you have to kind of change your plans sometimes. If people are really going to be helped, it has to impact our time. It has to impact what we do with our time. And my prayer, my prayer with this Friends Day as it was last year, that the Lord would raise our eyes a little bit to see all the things that are happening around us, all the people that are in need. You're going to hear some incredible stories next Sunday. And I, I, I hope, I hope that something gets in you that says, you know what, we can just be at church or we can be in the church. Christ can abide in us, be a part of us. Or he can just kind of be around us. I want Christ in us. I want Christ to be in my time. I want him to be a part of, of the decisions that I make. I want him to be a part of everything in my life. I get the need for balance. I get the need for balance of your time, balance with your family. One of the core values that we have at this church is that the scope of our influence would be with our family, our church, and our community. That our time would be spent with our family, 
our church and our community. If I only spend time with my family and neglect the church and the community, I feel like I'm out of balance. I feel like you're out of balance. If you only spend time at the church, but you never spend time with your family or in the community, you're out of balance. And if you only spend time in the community and neglect your family and never come to church, you're out of balance. But I believe that the Lord can help us as a church to have optimal impact in our city by having time spent with family, having time spent in the church, but raising our eyes to the opportunities that are all over this community to help the poor, the neglected, the prostitutes, those who are hurting. People all over this city need somebody to to reach out to them, to stop and say, I'm going to journey on this road. I'm not going to walk this road by chance, but I'm going to do it with intention. That's what the church needs. The city needs people who are born again of water and of spirit to intentionally walk the Jericho road. Not to accidentally stumble on people who are broken, but intentionally walk down paths and roads where you know you're going to show up and find somebody who's broken. Where you know you're going to show up and find somebody who's hurting. That's what we need today. So I hear God asking the Calvary Church, can I have your attention? And can I have your intention? I want you to stand with me this morning. There's enough tension in the world to go around. (laughs) There's probably enough tension in this room to go around. Maybe today you're feeling the pool of opposing forces in your world. You're feeling that tug. You know what typically happens when we feel stressed? Our survival instinct kicks in and we turn inward and we give ourselves attention. We protect ourselves. Today in this room, full of maybe some tension, it could be relational, could be financial, could be physical, mental, lot of things in our life. There's a God who's saying, give me your attention. Give me your attention. Give me your gaze. And when you do, I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to offer you forgiveness. Because I've already walked a road to Calvary with intention for you. Jesus loves you so much today. He loves you so much. I want to pray for you today. Maybe you're next to somebody you know is going through something. I want you to, if you feel comfortable to put your hand on their shoulder, I want to pray for them today. Stress is a very real thing. It has impacts on our life. It has impacts on our bodies, our minds. But today, the Lord is inviting you to give him your attention because he loves you. God, I pray right now for everyone in this room. Everyone, Lord, who's facing maybe a difficult time. They're, they're facing, God, the stress, the tension. 
that's showing up physically in their life. It's showing up, God, in very real ways to them. God, and I'm praying that you, in this room, would show you would have compassion. You look on us. You care for us. God, we cast our cares on you because you care for us. I'm praying today that someone would feel their burden lighten. Not because the circumstances have changed, but because they see the God of the circumstances, they realize that you have all things in your hands. And so we commit our spirits to you, Lord. We commit our lives to you. We surrender to your will and to your way in our life. God, if somebody's here today and they haven't repented of their sins, they haven't turned their attention to you, God, I pray today there would be an acknowledgement of you as their Savior, as you as, you as their Lord, Lord, that you want to forgive them, you want to wash them. God, you love us so much, you cared about us so much that you would face, God, the, the tension of humanity, the hatred of humanity, so we could find your love and your grace, Lord. Oh, God, I'm praying there's nothing in our life that we can't turn to you. God, I pray you'd bring healing to relationships in this room. I pray you'd bring healing to circumstances in this room that seem beyond repair. God, we take our attention off ourselves today and we put it to you. We surrender everything to you. God, in your word says, if we delight ourselves in you, you'll give us the desires of our heart. You'll give us the intentions that we need. Oh God, I'm praying for healing today. I'm praying desperately today for somebody to find their purpose, for somebody to lay aside their agenda for their life and to find the intention that you have for them. God, there are people all over this city that this church is interacting with. And I pray we would not be in a hurry that we pass by those who are hurting because we've got to get to worship. God, help us today. Help us today to maybe discomfort our lives a little bit, to engage in our community, to offer, Lord, our hearts, to offer our lives to those who need it. God, open up doors for us, Lord. Open up ways for us to minister to people who without us, they could not find hope and they would not find healing. In the name of Jesus. God, your word says your yoke is easy and your burden is light, but it is a yoke. It is a yoke. We have to tie ourselves to you. And God, I pray, give somebody courage to do that today. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, 
Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.